Welcome back to Creating Blast. This is episode 36. This is our 309 recap. So um, I thought we'd start with um, Liz and Max, uh, or just Liz to begin with, um, because she's been um, Liz the genius again. Um, So they're trying to figure out a way from previous episode as well to uh, sever the connection between Jones and Max to have Max stay in Jones's body because it's healthy? I'm not sure I got it. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> is no going, idea what's on. going on. I missed something <laughs> vital. Like, I have to go back and watch some episodes. I have missed something vital about Max. Like, I, I'm i so lost. It sounded <laughs> no so good. Yeah. Okay, I thought that they made a comment in this episode, and I was completely lost this episode, so I could absolutely be making this up but i thought that they made a comment that they needed to swap back because there's something wrong with jones's body oh oh yes because now max's body is healed Uh uh-huh and what jones does is create clones so he he's immortal because he jumps into clones bodies Mm -hmm. and i think what the point is is that his body keeps deteriorating deteriorating um, and so he, he jumps into clones, clones' bodies so he can stay alive. And so Max's body is now the safe one? I have no idea. I'm so confused. Not a f- fucking clue. It reminds me of that scene from The Good Place where Tahani's like, we know everything. We, I don't understand it, but I know <laughs> everything. <laughs> so it's like, I am like so close to understanding. And I think it's that I haven't had a chance to sit down and like watch all the episodes back yeah. to back and sort of binge them because some of the science, which has always been a little weight hand wavy for me, is starting to really fall apart. <laughs> yeah. It's purely my own like adult ADHD. I cannot. Yeah. Because I'm so much more interested in the relationships than I am the science, really. I mean, so yeah. and the whole of the plot, like for me personally, we'll get back to Liz in a second, but for me personally. This episode specifically was so confusing. I think because we got back into more of the plot side of the show and a little less of the relationships and character side, which was most of the past couple of episodes. And so I'm so confused right now about whatever is going on with the plot. I do not understand Deep Sky. I do not understand ETH. I do not understand what Lise is doing, and I do not... Say his name again. Say his name again. Eth. Why? You're the cutest. You're the cutest. Anyway, keep going. Heath. 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 There we go. Anyway, uh, I do not understand it. Um, So, whatever. Liz sounded very smart. Um... (laughs) that's that's the whole my whole general thought about it it's Liz is very smart what is not smart about her is that she leaves all of the 
all over research and all over um, like ideas and stuff at the crashdown. And Jones just waltzes in. <laughs> it's like, yep, I'm just gonna take it. I was like, y'all did not think about this. He well, has all the powers. Well, and also she apparently, and it was later in the episode, she like left the alien spores just sitting around in LA. Like that there was that whole thing last season about where she like swore to protect Max and the and the pot squads like secrets and stuff, and she just left this stuff in LA. Like that doesn't make any sense. Hence why I the only line that Max says that I give any credit to is the wallpaper. Because, the wallpaper comment. How much do you know about this guy, Heath? Uh, how close were you? This isn't the time to be jealous about a boy I met. I'm just saying it's possible that he took your one-of-a-kind alien spores and quit so that just like you, he could use the research himself, free of Generex. That grand trust speech certainly had a short shelf life. I trust you, okay? But I don't trust some guy I have barely met with a secret that could endanger me, could endanger my family, and break the frickin' internet if it came out. You think I would let myself be conned? No, I think you came out here looking for a partner and it could blind you. <laughs> Just because you sabotaged me when I thought you were mine does not mean that Heath would take the same path. And just because you changed the wallpaper doesn't mean you've mended your blind spots. Because I think, now that I think is probably a little bit of a detail that they just, whatever, you know, poor writing, I don't know what it is, but I think it's showing that, you know, Liz has amazing, she has a great heart and she has all of this <clears throat> and, she, and she has all these grandiose plans and, and what she wants to do. But at the end of the day, she's very much a plow forward, ask questions later, you know, better to you know ask for forgiveness than permission kind of person. And I think it's things like that, putting them at risk unintentionally that shows that she is, we're, I know we're meant to believe that she's sort of this science-minded, very left, right brain, whatever. Um, but that that's not always the case at all, and we see it mostly this season. Yeah, I think I think in a lot of ways she she's grown as a character, um, and they've tried to show, you know, her mistakes and people calling her out and and her trying to fix the size of her personality. I think from um relationships point of view like what she's trying to get better at with say Kyle and with Rosa and I think she's trying to do it and she's in part succeeded now it's also very hard after 30 years of life to change the way you've acted all your life and it's you know it's a process um but I think with this, when the science comes into play, it's a lot harder for her to, to kind of separate separate the two, the, ugh, separate the two, two things. Um, so she only sees the science, I think. Um, and that's at the forefront of her mind always. Um, so she doesn't really think about, I mean, she, she does think about them, but I think she has a lot more confidence in what she's able to protect and, you know, keep uh, a secret and, and whatever than what she actually can keep a secret. And that's what we've seen so far, um, that none of the things that she's invented or discovered about the aliens have actually been kept a secret. 
um, they've all been discovered by someone else. So um, I'd say learn your lesson, Liz, but um, you know. Well, and Liz, I think especially in the last like season and a half ish has been shown to be very, a very selfish character. That doesn't make her a bad person. It doesn't make her a bad character. I think that she, she genuinely cares about the people around her and wants to do right by them. But at the end of the day, like she, she, like you said, she is very science minded. She's goal oriented. She kind of pushes through. And I think that that is a form of selfishness and it doesn't make her a bad person, but this is just who she is. And I think that she doesn't think about the consequences. And now we're seeing that, you know, with everyone and their mother finding out about her research. Yeah. Um, so, um, Liz and Max. So, I'm ve- again. I'm so confused by this episode. Um, I I have no idea if there was supposed to be like as as it been a couple of days. I think uh, from last episode. I, I have no idea. But anyway, Max um, is out of the pod in Jones's body. Uh, he seems to be perfectly fine um, after a couple of days of like sleep. I have no idea. And they go on a road trip. Now, you guys have to explain to me, a non-American person... Oh, yeah. I'll explain. <laughs> why <laughs> right. they keep doing this. Like, it, it looks like it takes no time to go from Roswell to L.A. They do it all the time. Like, they keep doing it this season. And I looked it up on Google Maps, and it takes 15 hours. Well, so the assumption before that I had was that they were flying. So there's a major, there's a major airport in Roswell and one in LA. It's like a two hour flight. People commute all the time. They actually live in New Mexico, commute to California. So that has always been my assumption. And that would explain it. Like, okay, it's a two hour flight. Then they drove. And I was like, I am confused why you would drive from Roswell to LA. absolute waste of time absolute waste of all kinds of resources so i was gonna have an answer if but they they drove and it doesn't make any sense so no it doesn't make any sense and then again this like sort of popping back and forth makes sense when you think of it like commuting and like on a plane why the fuck you would ever go on that road trip i i don't know i guess for the callback to the road trip from when they were teenagers and all well, that yeah but. no that was cute that was cute it, but I, yeah they I do think- make it seem like it's like yeah. You know, and again, if it's the hope to God, they're not implying that they always drive that because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I hope so. One and two, to me, a two hour commute by plane is still insane. But that is more common. <laughs> than, that's more common than you think on the coast. Like lots of people will live, will work on a, in a coastal city, but live sort of inward and they'll take a two hour yeah plane ride to get to work, you know, businessmen or whatever that I could to- uh, a little bit more based in reality, but just like getting in a car and driving for 15 hours. No, that's not a casual, just yeah. daily occurrence. No. Insane. I mean, yeah. They don't do it. Like it's clearly not a daily occurrence for them, but like Liz has done it like four times by now. So it's like, exactly. It's like, it's not how much money for gas do you have? Like, it's insane. But anyway, they get to LA um, with a few conversation uh, in the middle, uh, which I think were cute. Like the, um, oh, the changing the, changing tire, the tire scene was so cute. Um, again, they get very cute scenes all the time. Um, I was a bit confused about their dynamic in this episode, mostly because they, 
where they left off with the two of them before Max was put in a pod. Um, they were not in a good place. So the um, immediate, like, I, I understand that I've been in love for like a decade and all of that. And I understand that probably very quickly turns into an ease between the two of them. But they've also been broken up for like a year, a year and a half by now. Um, after a very rough breakup so it was uh, it was a bit of an adjustment to me to say like oh okay this is weird um but then the conversations um turned up so and I, I was very glad about that because um we talk a lot on this podcast about communication between um people who are supposed to be in a relationship or want to be in a relationship with each other or even just people in general communicating um and and I think they succeeded in this episode to show like one Max making an effort to communicate with Liz which is honestly one of the most out of this world things that happens in this show and it's a show about aliens so if that doesn't um, say sum it all up right there yeah. like the most unbelievable thing about a show about aliens is when people actually communicate with one another right that's sad that's <laughs> sad um I think <clears throat> Liz and Max I you know it's one of those I say I feel like I've said it a thousand times in this podcast as much as Max drives me insane and their dynamic drives me insane in some ways because I think Liz deserves a lot better I cannot deny how good they are how cute they are like I don't know if it's the chemistry the writing that they get but the the that they get so angry with one another and then they love just as deeply and they get to say all the things that I wish some other ships would get to say. And they get to be honest and open with one another in ways that I feel like we've had to fight and scrape to get for Malik specifically. Um, and I don't know what that is. You know, obviously they're all different characters and that might be, you know, that's you know, the characterization of Michael and Alex will always be that they keep things close to the chest. And I get that. But so it's a little frustrating when I watch because I'm like, look at that open and honest communication that you've gotten for many years now, even if sometimes it doesn't always work. But I really think a turning point for them was that conversation in her house in LA. I just it was so good. It was then ruined. And when they were sitting at the picnic table, but fine. Max calling Liz out on her shit and Liz doing the same for Max. I mean, calling each other out was absolutely needed. They needed, they needed to get all of this out. They've been tiptoeing around Liz and Max all season, you know, and I don't know, I'm not sure that Liz's anger against, you know, at Max for what he did to her lab is even forgivable. I don't even know at this point, but they needed to say those things. Yeah. I kind of thought that, their dynamic in this episode was kind of like we have a bunch of shit to deal with like we were not in a good place you know the last time that we saw each other but like we have like more important things to focus on in this moment and then they kind of set a lot of that aside which I mean yeah you've got priorities here like you may be in a bad place with each other but you don't want Max to die I guess so and I, I did like their I dynamic. guess <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Max like okay one thing real quick, having Max back after having Jones for so many episodes, just, just 
reiterated to me like how boring Max is. <laughs> so bland. And I was like, I want Jones back. Like, at least he's interesting. Like the best part of the episode when it comes to like anyone with Max's face is the end where Jones like around these parts, they call him a Jones or whatever the fuck he said. Like that was the I best line. It. That was the best line. So fucking dumb. But it was that one line is like, I don't know, better than anything that they were talking about this whole episode, really. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that I liked Max more in the the scenes where they had those conversations the scene at the house in LA like it's that's a more interesting max than like this kind of just bland cowboy that was that loves Liz like that we've gotten for two seasons like this is much more interesting him standing up to Liz and having something oh. just so much more interesting well that's why again I'm just gonna say it again the whole you can change the wallpaper but you can't what is it you can't mend your blind spots or whatever it is he says you know I, that's why that line, I got chills when I heard that line because it needed to be said. It could be said about a lot of different characters. That could be a theme for Roswell just in general, but you know, a lot of times, a lot of the characters on the show, especially Liz included, get put up on a pedestal, which is fine. She's the main character. She's a fantastic character played by a fantastic actress. But she is also deeply flawed. That is the whole point. Everyone is deeply flawed on this show, except for maybe Kyle. But everyone has made mistakes and that and has made wrong choices. The whole point is that 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 doesn't make you irredeemable. That doesn't make you a bad person. It means that you are, have been young once and made stupid choices. But with that comes, you know, people need to be able to call you out on it. You know, even if sometimes the way people call each other out on this show drives me insane, um, Max needed to say that to Liz. And Liz needed to say the exact same thing to Max when she said, and you're sounding like the guy who blew up my lab. Because you can't, you know, come at me for saying that I haven't changed when you sound the exact same. I mean, that's why it was that scene is like, probably I would imagine one of the best echo scenes even if it was really hard to sit through. And I'm sure for a shipper, incredibly hard to sit through. Yeah, I'm thinking of my other like favorite echo scenes. And it's always, always scenes like that. Like last season, it was the breakup in the finale because it, it was about the same thing. You know, it was about the two of them being flawed and having made mistakes and being, you know, at different points in their lives and not communicating about it. Um, so again, like it shows that you can be as in love and as as much as a high school sweetheart as, as you want to be. But at the end of the day, if you're not communicating about it, and if you're not, you know, they also have to realize, like you said, Liz is uh, is put on a pedestal a lot of the time by Max a lot of the time. Oh yeah. Um, and Liz has said it to him in season one um, that he puts her on a pedestal, and I think they both kind of do. I think after season two um, or during season two, Liz did the same for Max, and so they both have to realize like it's hard to come to grips with the fact that the person you're in love with and you idolize and you know you have all all of this romanticized version of the of this person in your head it's hard to come 
to grips with the fact that actually no they're just a person you know they are a human human being i mean alien being for some of them but um and they have flaws so um it'll be interesting to see where echo goes from here like now that they've actually said the stuff that needed to be said now that max has said you know i think as much as the conversation about uh, around the um picnic table was cheesy i think in a lot of its parts um but now it's clear that they, or at least from Max's point of view, there is an intent to try and get back with Lace. I think, like, I, we can say that, um, that he wants to be together. And so it will be interesting to see if they manage to um, actually, you know, actually get back together and work everything that needs to be worked out and i then i know i've said this before about malik's but i think the same thing can be said about echo is that their fundamental problem is always going to be that they do things for each other instead of with each other and and it's it's not coming from a negative place it's coming from a i want to protect you i want to do all of these things but when you're in a, in a relationship or trying to make something you know, work, you can't, you can't do that. You have to do it together or it's doomed to fail. And I think that that is the key for Liz and Max is that they have to be open and honest with one another and they have to do things as a team. It cannot be a power imbalance of one protecting the other or one doing this. It just, it doesn't work that way. You have to do it together. Yeah. Which I think, sorry, sorry. go ahead. No, I was just, I, I agree with, with what Amanda said. And I don't, think that they've learned that yet. And I think this episode proved that they're not. And it makes me feel better that they've addressed that in this episode, because at the beginning of the episode, I was kind of concerned that they're just going to sweep everything under the rug and they're going to be happy and in love and back together again. And they're not there yet. They haven't learned these, these lessons that I think they need to learn to be a healthy relationship. And these conversations they had in this episode were important, but they need to like learn from that and move forward and not just kind of like do the same cycle that they've been in since season one they haven't learned what they need to learn to be in a relationship yet yeah I think I think Max has realized that like he said in this episode a couple of times of being like if I actually want you to you know understand what where I'm coming from I actually have to talk to you um and I have to have those her conversation and him saying you know telling her that he's kept the tapes and all of that um so I think he realizes that um now the hard part is actually doing it and that's you know that's hard for everyone um so I think they had you know the, the light bulb moment of of being like this needs to be there's stuff that needs to be addressed now, how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, that's going to be a whole other thing. Um, okay. Anything else about Liz and Max? Nothing about Liz and Max, but I do want to say one thing. Yeah. I talked about it on Tumblr, but oh yeah, I want to address one line that, that Max said about Michael that I think 
is become this weird running theme with season three that doesn't make any sense. And I know we've brought it up before, but now we have a third line where he's talking about he, before he sort of made a promise to himself that before Jones healed my heart, I swore that I would help Michael become less Michael-like and help Isabel find happiness or whatever. So I don't, and I have literally word vomited about this for a solid 24 hours now, because when I rewatched the episode, I thought, why is this necessary? Why is this here? And who do the writers think that they have written for three years now? Like, I guess, and I don't want to spend too much time on here because we're not really talking about Michael, we're talking about Max, but that line that Max said, that not only was unnecessary, but it doesn't make any sense with who Michael Guerin is. And it's like the key to why I don't like Max, right? You don't try, he doesn't try to get to know his brother at all. And he is his brother, his dad, his something, (laughs) some relation. They have a connection, right? He's his family. He's family. And so you don't try to get to know Michael, which we've seen a million times in season one and season two, where they, you know, he doesn't ask anything about Michael. He just makes assumptions. And then out of nowhere says, make Michael less Michael-like. And and what does that mean? Like Michael is compassionate and he's very loving and he does whatever he can to protect the people that he loves. So what about that needs to be changed? And I think it's just that line compared with the line that Maria said about Mm-hmm. All you do is sit on a bar stool and, and you know, and then Michael's line about, oh, I'm going to stop drinking tequila and take care of the people who matter. None of those lines make any sense. And I don't understand this running theme. Where is this yeah. coming from? Yeah, I have to agree. I was a little confused. Like less Michael, like in what sense? Like in the right. sense that he does not have like, healthy coping mechanisms neither do any of you in the sense that he probably has to go to therapy so do all of you you know in the sense that he's too sarcastic like what part of michael do you want to change and help him get better at well and because i would definitely say michael all the characters there's room for improvement obviously i love michael garen is he perfect absolutely not but nothing about him needs to be fundamentally changed to make him a different person, right? Like everything he, you know, everything that he does, a lot of things that he has made done or made choices about in his life were because of the things that happened to him when he was a child. And yeah, he's not living up to some potential, but it's not like he lacks the drive and the motivation. Those, that potential was taken away from him. And it's also not that he sits around and does nothing. We've seen him working multiple times. I don't know. I just, I don't see him as like some loser drunk who sits at a bar stool. We've never seen that about Michael. So I don't understand this running theme. I feel like there's two different Michaels. There's the one they have written and the one they think they have written. And they're not making a whole lot of sense, especially this season. In a season that I think overall is pretty good. Why do we have three times now this entirely wrong characterization of Michael? don't know well it's like you just said and it's like we've said this on the podcast before I think that there there are two very different versions of Michael and there is the Michael that we see on the show and there is the Michael that the writers think that he is and it's not the same person if you want to write this kind of cold uncaring 
cowboy who sits on a bar stool and drinks too much tequila and doesn't care about people. That's not, that's not, then you need to look at how you're writing the character because I haven't done that since day one. We've never seen that. Never has. Like, yeah, he lives in a weird airstream and probably needs to throw out about half his clothes. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. But that doesn't mean that it, that proves nothing. And what we had one spiral on the show and he kicked Wyatt's ass. Okay. Yeah. And I I rolled my eyes so hard at that line because it make it just it makes no sense. None of this Michael trash talking they've done this season. Look at everything that Michael has done just this season. Like let's not even talk about season one and season two and everything that he did for everybody and how much he cares and like that he just has feelings all over the place. Let's not even talk about that. Just this season everything that he's done for people, everything that he's tried to do to help people. And you're going to sit there and try to make Michael less Michael. That line doesn't make any sense. Well, it's just so Max like, right. And we don't have to do this for very much longer, but it's just so like, I think when I heard that line, I thought, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to do what with Michael and you're going to help Isabel find happiness. You fucking make, you made everything about yourself when Isabel came to you. So what do you have to do with any of this? This is not season one where you take charge and everyone has to listen to you. We've moved past that. So that, and I could not stop focusing on that line. And I know it was a throwaway line. And I know it was just supposed to show that Max has changed and he's caring and all of these things. But I heard it and it was just echoing. Like that, it, that doesn't make any sense. Can we make Max less (laughs) Max-like? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. If, we, if we're going to make, if we're going to change anyone's characterization. Let's mm. not make fucking Walmart pony boy over here. I can't. I can't. Anyway. Okay. Let's talk about the trio. I, oh, I love them so much. Maria, Greg, and Isabel. They were so much fun in this episode. I love them so much. Um, so- Isabel. Let people have sex. Literally. It's, this is the funniest running gag that they've run since season one, that she's everyone's cock block. Yeah, like, like, literally. Let, let people bone. What is wrong with you? How do you, does she have like a sense? Like she literally. uses her alien powers to know when people in her family are about to get it on. It. Like, what is that? <laughs> start knocking on doors, girl. Start like. I don't know. That's the best thing. She's so fucking amazing. Um, but anyway, the Isabel being a cockblock was so so fun. Um, and the whole, I think to me, the whole idea of her trying to get someone to help her on this quest of finding out more about aliens, or if anyone else survived, or if anyone else is you know alive from the the crash or you know whatever if they're they have any more aliens alive in the in roswell or the nearby area um and just picking the two people who are so close so close to making it um but no it was so much fun and um we'll we'll i think we'll talk about the findings a lot later on this episode um but um the whole the whole dynamic was so much fun um the fact that 
it gave us so much character, I think, for Isabel, um, while being focused on something completely different. Um, and it was it was so so nice to see Isabel and Maria act like sisters. Like they actually say that they're acting like sisters to see each other as sisters. Um, the whole Maria trying to get Isabel to date um, thing was so nice. The fight was really good, I think, because it was actually a, you know, a, a disagreement, I would say. I will, I will not call it, call it a fight, but um, it was actually born from Maria wanting to help Isabel and give her life advice. Um, the life advice about, you know, how do you like your eggs? Um, was so nice um and it just it just gives us so much information about Isabel and gets I think to a point where um we get to the core of what what's wrong in air quotes with Isabel in the sense of character wise what's driving her and we I don't think think from season one we ever really got to that point so it's really nice to see her questioning herself not in the sexuality sense or exploring herself like she did last season but at a fundamental level of who am I what do I want what where am I going with my life um so it was really really nice I think the key of it was I really liked that Maria asked basically it was like I'm some I'm summing up what she said but basically it was like you've been in fight or flight for so long like you've been in this sort of state of um, I can't even remember what she said. It was so, it was so poignant, but this, you know, sort of fighting for so long now, ever since Noah and she, you know, and all of this chaos. And I think, um, <clears throat> part of Isabel's characterization that has changed so much that I love is that she's become a, a much less selfish person, but I think she's done that in the extreme where she is concerned about everyone else. And she's absolutely neglected herself this entire season, if not a lot of last season as well. And I think I really enjoy that Maria is the one that caught, that, you know, that caught that and then really had comments about it and possible solutions for her and to call her out on it and say, you know, you can't, you cannot spend all of your time focusing on other people. You have to know who you are or none of this will matter. Like that's absolutely brilliant. And it was just such a family moment and I'm glad that it was Maria that said it and no one else like their their dynamic is really becoming you know we can sort of mourn the romantic parts of their ship forever um but it you couldn't have picked two better characters to turn into a family overnight really they've, they've really grown into it the the growth we've gotten over the last couple of years with Isabel and Maria is pretty astounding I uh I really love I loved all their scenes I always do. The Isabel stuff really kind of hit home with me. I think that Isabel is, you know, she's so focused on everybody that she's starting to like a bit of like caregiver burnout. Like you can kind of see her kind of, you know, you when you focus on other people and taking care of other people for so long, I think the way that she has. Um, you reach a point where you don't even think to think about yourself. And I think that's kind of where she's been at and you have to have somebody, whether it's 
a friend, a family member, a therapist, whatever, who kind of is like, well, what, what do you want? What's going to make you happy? And I think that Isabel's at the point where she hasn't been thinking about that. And so to have someone that she truly cares about, like Maria, be like, what do you want? You know, you're, you're worrying about everybody else. What do you want? And um, I think that was really great. And I really hope that that kind of pushes Isabel forward where she's not just, not that she's just a supporting character. She's not, she's a main character, but like she's been a support for everyone without kind of her own, her own drive this season for like, for what she wants. And so I hope we get that going forward. Yeah. Um, um, she's going to bone down with the lady who slept with Max. So, I mean, a not so. Can we talk about that for a second? Because what, yeah. if a not so Isabel, if a not meant for Isabel, why does she have to sleep with Max? Because now it's kind of weird. Like she's I'm not a reporter. Really it's kind of weird. I'm like, what was, nah. what was honestly, no if we can move past, if we can, if we can move past 206, I don't think anything is weird. Yeah. No, what I'm confused by is that they've, um, again, went for Taladon show with part of their relationship, at least because Isabel tells us that they've had drinks before, um, you know, you know, the proposition was propositioned. Um, and I was like, okay, well, no, wait, but I want to see this. Like if, if it's meant to be a, like a, a new relationship with one of the main characters, I want to see this. Um, also, we've seen this lady before. So why would you, you show that? But um, I'll, I'm so grateful that we finally got to this point because just last week, I remember Amanda being like, oh, but, you know, queer is and we didn't get to see it. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> like, uh, Katie called me out on it. She goes, she was like listening or editing last week's episode or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I was just thinking the whole time, you sweet dumbass, just wait, <laughs> just wait a little while. And, you know, it'll happen. I'm like, we, we call it, we manifested it. Yeah. I think everybody for- say thank you, Amanda. She did this. Um, I think what I like most about Isabel and Anata is that from day one, Isabel has been this sort of cool, calm, collected, you know, kind of badass, right? She's always taking charge quite literally in bed and in life, you know? Um, And we haven't really seen her falter from that. Um, We did see her a little bit with Blair in the club, like, but she, I mean, she led Blair out of that club, like, she took charge there too. So it was nice to see the flirting with Anatza where she couldn't fucking keep her mouth shut and stop talking and saying really weird things that I was like, I feel this deeply in my bones that you don't know how to talk to a woman like at all. Don't know how to talk to someone that you're attracted to because the longer it kept going on and she said the word deep throat, I was like, I give up. I don't know. I really need someone to step in and like help this woman. But it's so refreshing because she's always sort of, projected that I'm in charge and especially after Noah she's going to want that projection like that sort of defense mechanism of I'm the one that is in charge of my life and then a pretty woman walks in front of her and she just cannot get her shit together and I love that I think it also shows um she's always been very confident at the sex part right and this is not I mean at least how they presented it is not a woman Anats is not a woman she just wants to have sex with. She actually right. wants to get to know this woman. So, and again, like you said, it's a woman she doesn't, I don't think she knows that, to, you know, it's all pretty new to her. 
because she realized that like we don't know what happened in the year that we didn't see but we assume it's all kind of pretty new to her um and well, she and that and, and we've always seen her like when she's talking to men she ha- yeah. she gains the upper hand with noah with remember when she's like flirting with that deputy in the in the police station i mean she mm-hmm. gets men and like sort of enthralls them and and um really kind of shocks them and like takes the yeah. center of attention and i don't think that that would work on anata yeah and i was just gonna say it's always been you know her flirting or most of it has always been well it's her default setting i think flirting but with men specifically it's always being shown to us as an audience that she wants to get something out of these people yep or she's trying to distract them you know she's trying to get answers whatever there's there's another reason behind it and here she just wants to date this woman so she has no idea how to act and that was so refreshing to see to see Isabel not unsure in her sexuality or who she is in in that sense but just not knowing what to do because this is a new situation and she does not have control on it um so it was it was so cute I honestly think they could have left out the line about have them having drinks before. And well, it, yeah. that, that whole thing could have just been left out because the, the way she played it was very much like a, we just met. I think that you're really hot. I don't know how to talk to you kind of thing. So it was so funny because I was like, you, that line wasn't even needed. This could have just been like one of the first times they ever really spent any time together. And this is what came out of it. So I really hope that this is something that continues. I don't know if it's going to continue in the next season. I don't know how long that the Anatsu's actress is going to be on the show, but I do hope it's more than just what we saw to, you know, um, so future Amanda manifest this, like, you know, I want to see like an actual date or like an effort put in and conversation. Sarah, were you going to say something? Well, I just kind of wanted to, I was thinking about it as you guys were talking about it. And, you know, this is the first time I think man, woman, you know, any, any gender or anybody that Isabel is attracted to. I think this is the first time that we've had a character that she wants for more than sex. And so I wonder if that, you know, it's less that Anatsa is a woman and she doesn't know how to handle that. And more that this is somebody that she's genuinely interested in and more than a sexual, in a sexual way. And she doesn't know how to handle that. Like if oh, not, sure. I think she'd react the same. Um, so I, the only reason I would disagree with that only because Isabel is so good because she spent most of her life in that particular dynamic with the men that she was attracted to. Does that make sense? Like, I think she knows there it's like a sure footing thing. I still, yeah. I mean, I definitely see if there were an attractive man, Isabel, this sort of new Isabel, who's a little bit more self-aware could totally make an ass of herself. I think the only reason it's a little bit different is because it's like two, it's like two layers of newness for Isabel. It's not only a woman because that is a different dynamic. Um, but it's also like a new Isabel, like that sort of like coming into her own and she can't rely on the same things that she was relying on before. So I think it's just, in this case, because it's a woman, you know, it adds all these different layers of confusion for Isabel in like a very good way. Oh, no, I agree with that. Because like, I think about the first time that I realized I genuinely liked a girl, like that was like, I I had no idea how to talk to her at all. So like, I I do agree with that. I just, I think that 
I, I think that having an emotional connection to somebody that's not the pod squad, that's not Maria, that's not Rosa, um, is going to be something that's very new for her, no matter, no matter who it is. But I do think that Anasa being a woman adds a whole nother, like, by panic awkward <laughs> layer to it, which is, is great to see. It's nice to see some vulnerability from Isabel always. So listen, I know that. Yeah, we, pound town. Okay, listen, <laughs> I know we've waited for Malik's for like three seasons. Echo fans are still waiting for Liz and Max to get back together. But this, Maria and Greg, to me, was the single most slow bird fucking dynamic on this fucking show. For no God. reason. For it no reason. For like 10,000 years. Why? Anyway, they finally made it. Hard boy Greg. Let's go, Maria. That was so hot. Woo! I mean, I'm sorry. Those are two of the finest fucking people on this show. Heather and Tanner. I don't know if you listen, but if you do, good fucking job. <laughs> the way they have played these characters and their chemistry that has been building and building and building has been so good. It has been a pointless slow burn. They could have been boning for a really long time, but it was well worth it because they we are got cute there. as fuck. They are cute as fuck. And I'm so glad that Greg got to be involved in like the alien stuff this episode. Like I love that it was just like this little trio like going on their little alien hunt. I'm so glad Greg was like is part of this now. Like I, I, I love him. And he's just beautiful. And he just needs to be in more scenes just so I can stare at him. And I'm so glad that they're finally together. And it was so cute. And it was, like, perfect. Like, I know we've been waiting. and But that they were just kind of, like, really soft with each other. And with the s'mores and stuff, like, leading up to it. It was just, it was all great. And I loved it. I have to say, I also loved everything you guys said, obviously. But I also loved Greg and Isabel the whole time like I, again I'm so confused about how we got here to all of these dynamics and everything that's happening in this episode because I feel like I missed like some scenes in other episodes as to why we're here because I do not I didn't think that Greg and Isabel were that you know I think that we close. can presume. <laughs> I think we can presume from that year gap that when Maria yeah. and Greg got close, I always got the assumption that Isabel and Maria were also grow- growing closer yeah. at the same time. So I guess in that way, maybe. I don't, but you're right because we didn't get to see so much of it. Yeah, it, it does exactly. feel like it's like what? I don't. Know, yeah, it was a bit from? weird. But he was very cute with her. Like when they teaser like both uh, Greg and Maria teaser about Anatza like all of it was so good and Isabel just being Isabel with him the whole time um and Isabel teasing him about you know Maria and you know um all of that was so great um and they make a good team. Like at the end of the day, I think they they have three good heads uh, on their shoulders. Oh, they um, they a great match. Like they all sort of balance each other and offer different things. Yeah. I think Greg is he's just so calm so far. <laughs> yes. Like 
like he he really does like every scene that he's in he's sort of that voice of reason and, and rationality which makes me afraid he's gonna die sorry guys um but any he, he's always that sort of calming voice of reason which i think isabel needs constantly um but yeah this is a weird uh, dynamic that i did not know that i was gonna root for uh, you know and it worked really really well um I just think Isabel calling Maria like her great, great, great niece is just the cutest thing, you know, trying to be like protective of Maria. And I'm like, hey, Maria can take care of herself and be, we're, we're reaching a little bit here, Isabel. Like, I love that she's making up for lost time. You know, that whole conversation about Maria wanting to feel like family. And I'm like, Isabel, you don't have to do that much, but I do appreciate how extra you are. Um, speaking of voices of reason, if you guys don't have anything else to say about this trio, I'd move on to Kyle. Kyle! We finally have him back! He's back! I miss him so much! Um, again, confusion for me in this episode. (laughs) I am so confused. How is he perfectly fine, first of all? Um, and how it's does been he like know a day. everything? It's been like a day. Like someone plotted it out and it's been like 13 days since the first episode. Yeah. Literally. And so he was fine and knows everything and totally is good. I sure. will forgive them because I have missed him and I do love him. So show you are forgiven for this one. Um, um, and is it just me or does that man get finer? Like, I don't know if it's him being oh, in a relationship in real time. life. I don't he know got some it's... rest. Yeah, he got, he got, some, rest. He got some rest. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, his if the actor, like, if getting some in real life, I don't know what it is, but that man is getting fucking fine. Like, even more so, which I didn't think was possible. So, he looked delicious. So, anyway, um, the plot for Kyle in this episode was that he apparently eh. knows that <laughs> Eduardo is his uh, uncle. And they um, get to talk about uh, Jim Valenti for a little bit um, and the code, which has been this thing, like this big shadow for uh, for Kyle for like three seasons now. Um, I really like them getting to talk a bit about Jim because he's always been this kind of shadowy figure about who we don't really know much about. Um, I am unsure whether or not to trust Eduardo but no. um, and Deep Sky because I feel like there is something. Something's so, missing. We're missing something. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know either. Like that was, it was cute in the way that, you know, I do want Kyle to know more about his family and have like a support system and something looking out, someone looking out for him. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't trust this guy. Like, mm, I don't know. And also he's connected to Kyle. He's connected to Alex now. He's connected to Michael because Michael is in, you know, has been brought in by Alex now. So it's like, mm, he has too much I think reach. he acts a little bit shady, right? Like, I yeah. think, so I think that's the point, right? But I, there's something, I don't know. There, I feel like just like the rest of the, season I feel like I'm missing something you know like I, I there's something more I just can't imagine that he was introduced 
to just be sort of a family, you know, a blood family relative of Kyle and that's his only function. What would be the point? That was a lot of lead up and a lot of things to get in the way of just introducing him as Kyle's family. That would be a really bizarre way to do it. So I just, there's got to be more to it. I, I don't want him to be evil because I don't want that for Kyle. Oh, or no. no, 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 no. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he is, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he's not. And if he becomes this kind of like paternal figure for, for Kyle and Alex and, you know, like, I, I can't. Oh, I would love that. I they both need. so confusing. Yeah. Like, it's, are they bad? Are they not? And I know that's the point. You're not supposed to know if, if they're good or evil. I, I get it. But I keep going back to like, I mean, I know that they've explained away the crazy dude from last season as like the Lockhart machine made him crazy. But then, you know, like Forrest's feelings about Deep Sky were very negative for somebody who's in Deep Sky. And then like, but then everything has kind of been, Eduardo's been helpful. Um, So I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not, but I just, I guess I, maybe that's me just not wanting that for Kyle and Alex. No, I, I don't want that either. I just feel like there's a huge twist coming that I we're all missing. And I, I don't know. It just, it, you know, it feels like um, we're getting closer and closer to the edge of the seat. And you just don't know where it ends and you don't know where that drop is. And I don't, and, and it just feels like Eduardo's got to play a bigger role than in that Lockhart machine has got to play a bigger role especially now this episode which we'll talk about later that we've seen the effects it has on other people um so i i i appreciate kyle getting to know about his dad we've spent a lot of time in this show about jim valenti to know very little about him i'm i'm actually surprised by how much his name has come up specifically this season and you guys know my theory about people's names who keep being brought up that somehow they're going to come back but it's that's just just how it works on soap operas and Roswell is just a soap opera basically. Um, but they've talked a lot about him and I am, and, and I love that for Kyle. I think Kyle needed to hear some things about his dad. Um, but I just, I don't want him to find out. I don't know. I want him to find out and have, find some peace with his dad. Cause it feels like every 10 minutes he's finding out something else. Oh, he has a sister. Oh, you know, he's involved with aliens, all these things. So Maybe, again, just let Kyle live a normal life. Yeah, and I think it was great to see him be like, I am aware this code is something like, it wasn't always great for my dad, but and, and I'm aware, you know, that you all want me to leave this path and be like, just be the doctor and, you know, go off and do whatever um, and don't get involved, but... I started, I, I like that he said, I started, I want to finish the part of the story that I started with Alex or, or something close to that. Um, because he has, you know, since day one, he hasn't really closed that kind of um, path that he started since they discovered about, they discovered Rosa being his sibling and all of that. That's been open, like an open chapter for him since season one. So. I think I would think him knowing that Jim, for example, was a, a double agent for 
uh, Deep Skyle in Project Shepard and in Caulfield would give him some closure um, because that was a big, um, you know, big hit for him in season one, um, knowing that his dad was involved in Caulfield and what was going on there. Um, so I did, I, I did like what small reveals we got about this man and what they meant for Kyle. And I always like when Kyle sums up for himself um, and he gets to do that because he does feel like a crutch a lot of, for other characters a lot of the time. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's great to have him back. I really liked the scene with him and Eduardo. I thought that it was very necessary for Kyle you know he kind of even knowing what he knows about like kind of the shady stuff that his dad did you know like with Rosa and with Project Shepard and all these things I still think he has a tendency to kind of idealize his dad especially when it comes to the code and you know kind of having this realization that his dad developed this code to kind of rationalize the bad stuff that he did um I think was very necessary for Kyle, you know, in the last, you know, he's kind of backed away from it now, but early on in the show, like a lot of the stuff he did was driven by like wanting to make his dad proud and then wanting to kind of not avenge the, the things that he did, but like kind of do, do good to kind of negate the bad that his dad did. And I think that having this kind of like last bit of like idealization of Jim Valenti kind of taken off of his shoulders is necessary and it's good for his character. And to have somebody, you know, I'm sure that Michelle like sees Jim, you know, for who he was. And she seems to in the scene, in this, in the few scenes we had where she talked about Jim. But like when you're the widow, you you kind of tend to idealize the person that's gone. The same way you do as a child who's lost a parent. And so to have someone whose family who knew Jim so well, but is kind of removed from it to tell you like, no, but I, your, your dad really was like, this is who your dad is. Um, I think it was very necessary for Kyle. And I, I literally liked the scene. Let's move on to Malix. Um, I am glad that this is... Um, okay, well, listen. I'm not gl- glad that Alex lost his mind, but I am glad that this is what I went for um, because I know that last week we were like, well, we don't really know how they're going to go with it. Are they gonna, just going to launch into a happy relationship because they have stuff to talk about? Um, and I think this was a good balance between the two things because they had very cute moments very domestic moments uh despite being apart for most of the episode they are together on screen actually together in the same room at the end of the episode um but they still had very cute moments very you know they had open communication for the for most of the episode and they found a way to show us that not all has been resolved by the one big kiss and, you know, their um, big declarations of love. Well, not love, big declarations um, that they did last episode. So, um, well, and the fact that they were step. able to have conflict and then resolve that conflict without one exactly. of them walking away 
and actually talking it out, even though, you know, Alex sort of maybe did a, a sort of dumb thing, you know, in mm-hmm. protection of Michael, which is just a running theme. The fact that nobody got really angry and they talked about it, like that's, who are these people? I don't, I've never met them before. It's almost like you have two people together and kind of a happy relationship and still have drama and conflict. What? That sounds weird. It's weird. Um, so yeah, anyway, they have very cute. Um, first of all, Michael's saying me and Alex. Me and Alex. Like the two of them working together just oh just gives gives me life. The call was so cute. I'm sorry, he called Alex honey. Honey! And I know it was meant to be like a dumb joke. I don't care. But like I love that because I feel like Michael's one of those people who will say something like that enough times to be funny that it becomes what he actually calls him. Like, you know, does that make sense? Like he, I could see him using it I, sort of ironically, like, ha ha ha. And then come to f- years later, it's like, oh, you actually call him honey and you actually say these things. And I deeply love that. And I love Alex's face when he sees that it's Michael on the phone. I love protective Michael. I love Alex being a little sarcastic shit back to him. Like every part of that phone call, like Michael being actively worried about Alex, but the, and also communicating that he's worried about Alex because 90% of their struggles and my problems with them have always been that they tell other people how they feel about the other one rather than talking to each other. And this time I was like, yes, Michael didn't go and tell Isabel that he was worried about Alex. He went and told Alex he was worried about Alex. Yes. Is this character growth? Ooh. In our mallets, it's more likely than you think. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) I was so worried. I know know we talked about it, but I was really, really worried really worried that we were either going to backtrack in this episode or it was going to be like shiny happy relationship with no communication and no growth whatsoever and like they haven't learned their lesson um so to have like I'm really happy that I was wrong I I never like being wrong I'm happy I was wrong I knew it was going to be the start of something new, like the way they framed it. I I wasn't necessarily worried about that part. I think I was more worried about how they were going to do it. Like, we're, you know, are we going to miss a few? Because we already missed a few steps to get to where we are right now. Let's be real, real. Like, we missed a few steps to get to the point where we're saying these lovely declarations and kissing outside the wild pony. We already made like a big leap. So I was like, oh, let's not make another big leap. But I think that actually planning even though they didn't get to go on it but actually planning an in-person date out in the world was such a great kind of callback to some of their issues of Alex not wanting you know being afraid to be out in public or show Michael off or the fact that most of their relationship has been in this you know has been a secret or it has been unknown, not unknown to people, but the details of it being unknown and unknown by the people of Roswell at large. So the fact that they were planning to actually go out on the town together, I think that that's. Okay. I do want to say it was very cute. And Michael was like, you're here. I'm here. It's still a date. 
um, that was very cute, but also I do want to get that actual fucking date. Uh, thank you very uh, much. Um, I, da- I, I have a, sub- I so doubt that we ever will, but I know, but I said but that maybe before. a second date, you yeah. know, like some sort, you it know what I want to be the first one. Maybe even if it just opens up and they're just sitting at the wild pony together, I, I don't even care. Like show them out in the world together. <laughs> we, I sound so demanding, make them in a relationship, make them talk. I know you gave me that, but then give me one more thing. But I would just be happy with seeing them sort of exist in Roswell at large. Like go, you know, and I'm I'm excited if that's the next step. I would settle for the end of the date. Like let's have them like get burgers at the crash down and but we only see them like walking out holding hands. Like I I don't want to ask for too much. Like something small. I'll, I'll accept that. Like, but I do think we need to see them like outside. Like we saw, like that was a very nice, sweet scene on the phone, but then everything after that's kind of like conflict and plot and, you know, high stakes stuff and then working together, which is great. But can we have a soft moment too? Like, to- you know, I'm, I'm, I almost, I would not be mad if we know, I, you know, I would, that's, I definitely want to see like domestic Malik's and dates and all of that knowing that there's also limited screen time for things like that. And so if that, if that never really happened, it's fine. I, I could live with it. I need things like the phone call, even just saying to other people, me and Michael, me and Alex, like keeping that connection alive rather than what I almost don't want to see is I almost don't want another like sex scene for the rest Same. of the season. Yeah. I was just um, thinking. Yeah. Like I, as much as I want to call back to one Oh three, and as much as I hope that we get that sort of, you know, you stayed connection or whatever, I do want that eventually, but I would be actually okay if we didn't this season. I think it well, would because, be fine. Yeah, because I think it's been largely established chemistry. Um, so that's not really a part of the relationship that, I feel is important for the audience to see. Um, so again, a day in public, phone calls, connections, communication, that ev- people knowing, um, you know, them being uh, aware and okay with people knowing uh, that everything about that is more important to me than any sex scene. Um, so, so yes, 100%. If we could have a group scene at the pony where Michael has his arm around Alex or, you know, it doesn't even have to be about them, but to see them like very clearly being in a relationship around other people. I definitely think we'll get that. I definitely, I definitely think that that's realistic um, as time goes on, as long as um, season three ends with nothing major happening, you know, as long as they're still together at the end of the season um then I think that that's very I think that's something we'll get a lot of um yeah they would they wouldn't give me what I want and then rip it away that's that's you wouldn't right (laughs) you you wouldn't right you please so again they had I think they had a good balance between domestic scenes or cute scenes and um drama in this episode um or conflict or whatever you want to call it so i really liked because we knew was coming um alex working on the machine 
and um, possibly starting to lose his mind because he works on it for too long. I really, really liked that he sees Nora. Um, that was so good. Um, and the fact that he sees Nora because she's a figment of his imagination, like he, she's the person he decides or his brain decides that he's going to see to, you know, kind of air all of his fears. Um, and it was such an interesting way, I think, to get into Alex's mind a little bit because we do not really get to see a lot of it. I think we get Michael's side a lot of the time. We get everyone's side. Alex's side of, of things is a little harder to get, I feel like, most of the time. So it was so interesting. I think it gave us great insight into his fears about himself, um, his insecurities, his insecurities about his dad, um, and his insecurities about his relationship with Michael and whether it's going to work, whether it's not going to work, whether their shared trauma is still too much. Um, and it was a nice way to work that out without necessarily having 200 dramatic scenes between the two of them. Um, so yeah, it was very nice. Can I just say that I'm glad the figment of his imagination was not Jesse? Oh yeah, yeah. Oof. Oh, I know. Um, there's some of his things again, I've been wanting insight into Alex for a very long time. This is a long time coming. It's a very creative way because I think this is nothing new, but you know, Alex has a lot of walls up and a lot of barriers up to, to know he keeps everything closed that he doesn't really let anything out. So an interesting way to let that out without it having to spew it all at Michael, right. Or at someone else. Um, man, he has a lot of issues that have not been dealt with. Like that is a lot, that is heavy. And, and we knew it. And, and it's not like any of this was really new. We, you know, we're all pretty smart people. We can figure things out, but it almost was like overwhelming by the end of it, which is the point, right? The overwhelming, like, how are you going to move past all of this to be in a normal relationship or move forward with your life? But I think that's why I really like the scene of Michael getting him down when he said, you know, I always got you, is that the point is, is that Alex doesn't have to go through all of this alone. He's been trying to go through all of this alone forever and ever and ever and have all of these fears inside and just deal with them on his own. And I, what I hope is that we see him come to the realization that Michael has some of these same fears and they don't, he doesn't have to do it on his own, that they can work together to figure out or to deal with their trauma and my and alex's trauma because man oh man those are some pretty heavy fears um yeah it was interesting <laughs> and i say interesting because just because i miss jesse as a as a villain um but it was interesting to see they still finds a way to fuck fuck things up from Alex from the afterlife um, with whatever the piece from Project Shepard was in um, the locker machine, um, which I think was what caused the vi the visions and. The I think that's what you were implying is that it's whatever Jesse did yeah. to the machine that caused right. people to react the way that they did. Sure. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> 
whatever we'll go with that (laughs) I I truly am so lost like I'm telling you I am tomorrow I am going to sit down and watch every episode that we have so far because I am lost it's fine um so anyway what was nice about it is that it got Michael and Alex to work on it together um they communicated the scene in the um hospital uh, room in, in deep sky was so good um like michael just talking about advice that he got from sanders was so cute um and the fact like that line about you don't walk away from a broken engine um oh you fix it because that's what they've been doing with each other they've just been walking away and walking away and walking away from each other for so long um so for them to actually realize okay we're gonna stay where we are and we're gonna talk through it and we're gonna work together on it um so that was one of what a good parallel another good parallel when um alex is on on oh, on the I ledge on the ledge yes thank you uh when alex is on the ledge and nora says um that one of your greatest fears is that your your father's hate is stronger than your capacity to love or something like that is capacity to love and that is what maria said about michael last season right. i was like oh my god parallels um so yeah it was great i'm so sorry i i wanted to fix this for you. I just, I just wanted to clear it up yeah. so that we can live a normal picket fence life. Any way you slice it, Mains, our picket fenced yard is gonna hold aliens. I guess I just, I couldn't get the fear of the rocky path we have ahead of us out of my mind. I spoke to Sanders about the same thing. He said, you don't walk away from a broken engine. You find a way to make it purr again. Hey, um, I'm not sure just because of, you know, the mass hallucinations, but um, when I was working on the machine, I opened it enough to see that a piece of tech from Project Shepard made it inside. Meaning uh, my mom built something for good and your dad figured out a way to mess it up. Yeah, but I mean, if we remove it, then maybe we can find a way to make it purr. You're here, I am here. Solving a 75 year old mystery seems like a pretty good first date. Um, I think more important than anything else that happened in this episode is Michael talking about picket fences and um, having a picket fenced yard and very much implying and basically saying out loud that they, he says our picket fence yard will hold aliens. So it was like, it wasn't like a maybe vaguely in the future, but he said it so definitively, like, yeah. That's the thing we're going to have, but also know that it's going to hold aliens. And I was like, who the fuck are you? Who are you? I, it's, like, it's like he got therapy overnight. I don't understand. I love it so much. I, we're going to ignore all the plot holes. It's fine. Who cares? We got what we wanted. Plot holes only matter when it's, you know, things that I don't want. So just continue to keep talking about the future forever. That's all I want. Michael is just so different with Alex in this episode and the end, the end of, of the last episode than he was in the first two seasons. It's, it's like almost like a completely different relationship. 
and he approaches it so differently. And I, I think that he's, you know, like once you, once they both took that leap in the last episode, you know, and it was clear to him that Alex was all in he's like, well, guess I'm all in too. That's it. Like we're just going to be together. Well, and also I think you see, because we've talked about this before, I think you see that he's done some work on himself. Like that, A, I think his relationship with Maria helped in that sense. Um, And B, being single probably like for the year that we didn't see. um, But even the the episodes that we did see in this season, um, being single and working on himself um, and having, you know, even not in a romantic sense, but having to, you know, um, confront some realities about himself, about his family, about his, um, you know, about Jones and where he comes from. All of that, I think, put together contributed to having a dynamic with Alex that is different now that they both know that they want to do this. Um, So I think that was part of it, probably. And part of it is surely that we did not see some stuff. But anyway, it's fine. Um, there are very few things that are unforgivable that Roswell has done to me. There's a, there's a list, right? Um, but near the top of that list is never giving us a conversation where Michael's like, so, Forrest. You know. Never had a conversation with Michael and Alex about Forrest. We just, that dude never fucking existed and on one hand, <clears throat> the savagery of that is much appreciated by me. On the other hand, though, we, sh- we were deprived of a conversation about, you know, he never meant anything to me. It was only you or whatever, like something dumb. I just, I, that's the one thing I'm always going to mourn is that we never got that conversation. I, it's fine. That's a fine thing to be upset about. That's, I'll take that above anything else. But just the one little thing. That would have been the perfect opportunity for Alex to have his I never look away moment. Like, you know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It could have, it just could have been this like two minute thing that really tied everything together and it's fine. Um, but also RIP Forrest. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. Okay, so we're going to proceed to the last section, which is where we put whatever didn't fit in the previous sections, um, which for this episode specifically has some stuff. And it was um, just Jones being sneaky and sexy and keep being himself because we love him. Just the way he leans against that cop car, the way he leans against that cop car is like. It really gets my engine revving and I don't understand. I don't understand. How is this the same actor? How is this the same actor? So it it was a brief thing. Just going into the station and being like, I'm going to act like Max and I'm going to call people to get whatever I want. It was, it was a yes, yes, King. Um, So getting to the big reveal of this episode. Can I, I have a question. Yes. (laughs) I, well, first, I have an early question of how, how did Isabel know that Dallas was an alien? She sees the picture at the camp. In yeah. What camp? What camp? I can't remember. The Christian camp that they, that, uh, that, oh. that they're boning at. Yeah, exactly. 
when I so say they go I'm to lost. this camp. So okay, so Isabel, Marianne, Greg find reports, um, and then they go to this camp, which is when where one of the reports were was filed, you know, whatever. And she find, <laughs> she finds the pod. So she's like, well, there's probably an alien somewhere close to this. Right? Okay, all right. So they find a camp and they find records about um, a, a, a child that That's was... That's the JD. Okay, no. Yeah, no. Exactly. and there then it's a like JD. And right. then she okay. figures out that JD is Father Dallas. I had a fucking heart attack. I was like, well, I missed something. I missed <laughs> who... Because they cut from her having that conversation with Dallas, who, by the way, is, remains the hottest man I've ever seen in my life. And then from that conversation, she's in the car saying, oh, found the other alien. I was like, what the fuck did I miss? But okay, this makes sense. Yeah, because she sees the cross. um, And he says, I I was the one who who gifted it to them. Can I just say that we keep winning because now we get that hot ass man as an alien, which means he's probably going to be around at least a little bit. And And I get Heath back or Heath. I get ETH back. Um, ETH. And they have a history. And like everything that Heath was doing was for Dallas. But anyway, it's fine. We won't read into anything about that right now. <clears throat> um, I'm still so confused about the whole thing. Oh, God, um, yeah. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I still feel like so ETH is um <laughs> i wish y'all could see us sometimes when we record because it's just so funny <laughs> so anyway um i feel like they either implied or i'm not sure if i this is the um, you know idea that i got to watching the episode but is he the one who assaulted kyle at max's house because he stole the tape, oh, he? so... Heath? Oh, I'm so no. confused. <laughs> because uh-huh. he's the one, and he's the one who developed the materials. Oh. Oh. That's the sound so, of my heart breaking, is what just so, happened. Mick but just I'm ruined everything. I'm telling you, I'm so confused by everything. So I don't... Uh-oh. I have no idea if it's like a gray area, if it's like I mean, they've all done shady stuff for their aliens. They've all done shady stuff for their aliens. So if he's doing shady stuff for his alien, like, I'm going to be like, okay, like, I'm so confused. I truly, I, because you want to know why? Because that reveal about Dallas and the reveal about Heath and all of that happened in literally 90 seconds. Like, (laughs) we're coming down to the end of the episode. I was rewatching it last night and I was like, um, we have two minutes left. We haven't, like, I had seen things about, you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, there's not enough time at the end. What's going on? Yeah, it was like 90 seconds. So of course we know nothing. Cause I was like, I don't, I really don't know what's going on with Heath. I'm just glad that Heath is back to give uh, Max a hard time in some form or fashion. That's all I really care about. And that Dallas is fine as fuck. So have, keep having him back. And now, so. but now Jones has him. So... <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So suffice to say, I, Dallas and Heath um, are confusing. I, I'm not yeah. mad at them being around, but I don't know what's going on. 
the other thing I'm confused by um, at this point of the season, um, not for this episode specifically, but we have not mentioned Maria's vision for like four episodes now. And I'm like, is it still important? Are we still trying to save someone's life other than Max's? Or is someone still going to die? I, I'm s- What? I know that Roswell is the absolute queen of having build up to nothing. We've done that multiple times, but surely to God, we would not spend all of that time and all of that effort to just drop it and never talk about it again, right? Like that's not possible. We have to bring it up again. I I can't fathom why it suddenly overnight was not important. Everyone is real casual about the fact that someone's going to die. And some of them still think it's going to be Michael. Why are we so casual about it? Because Alex is the only ones, you know what I mean? Like, we don't know. Not really. We don't know anything. And they're just real casual about it. So like, okay. How many episodes do we have left? Four. Four. Four? Two in one night. Ooh. Don't remind me. Um, I would imagine that the vision stuff gets picked up, if not the end of next week then the next episode and that's what takes us into the finale um like jones and and the vision that they have to meet right i would Uh, say it all ties together somehow but i have no idea honestly i'm so confused um there was so much stuff again kind of like last season kind of like season one in some ways just stuff that they introduced and then dropped like the regiment, Wyatt. Where did it all go? Yeah, I'm not mad about that, but where no, is Wyatt? no, no, no. But it was where just dropped. What was was it? Um, you know, the hopeful part of me is that nobody liked this storyline and they dropped it. <laughs> but I know that's not that's not the reason. But um, yeah, he just was that going to go anywhere, or is it all? You know, if it's all going to converge at the end and make sense, then I can understand. You know, but if we get to that second episode on finale night and some of this isn't converging, it's going to be like, yeah, you know, Roswell in some ways has changed a lot this season, but in some ways it hasn't. You know, we're yeah. we're still a big fan of of it's still the W. Okay, um, so okay, and lastly. Everyone's favorite part of the episode cannot be Malix. Who made up this rule that it can't be Malix? Why? Why do all of a sudden it's, we? Because it's always going to be Malix if we're going to say if we're not going to say. Obviously, other than Malix, obviously. Fine, Maria and Greg Bonin. <laughs> Only because I'm so mad about it. <laughs> Um, no, I would say either Maria and Greg or uh, Isabel and Anatza, um, because one, Isabel deserves to be, um, sort of the, her boat to be rocked. And I don't mean that as a euphemism. I mean, as you know, to sort of shake the foundation of that cool, calm exterior. I really liked that. And, uh, Maria and Greg deserve to have orgasms. I agree about Isabel and Anatza. I really loved Isabel's kind of like awkwardness and stuff, but I, I would have to say I really liked the Dallas reveal because I've been wanting to see aliens that aren't the pod squad or evil for a while. And I like the idea that there was another um, alien that woke up or hatched or whatever at the same time as the pod squad. Um, 
So I really liked that. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. I would have to say for me, it's Isabel and Anasa just because it's what, it was so much fun to see um, Isabel in, in a different situation um, and something that is super severe element and it just wasn't this time around. So um, it was fun to see something different for Isabel um, and something that we've been wanting to see all season. Um, so this was our episode 309 recap. As always, you can find us on Tumblr, Instagram, and Twitter at Blast. We love to hear from you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.